This morning, uh, I'd like to begin uh, our, our time here together by playing a really fun and exciting game. No, I'm not going to make you guess Disney characters and their sayings, but we're going to play this game. It's called Guess the Medical Condition. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some symptoms. I'm going to give you some statistics, and I want you to see if you can go ahead and guess what medical condition I'm talking about. We're going to start off with maybe some more uh, smaller ones that don't affect as many people, and then kind of work our way up to something uh, extremely bigger. So first one is this, all right? Uh, this medical condition affects one in a hundred adults, okay? One in a hundred adults, and actually one in 200 kids under the age of 18 suffer from this condition, which makes up, if you're doing math, but no one really does that, right? I'll just tell you, 2.2% of the entire population of the United States suffer from this medical condition. Symptoms include this, first of all, fear of contamination and dirt. Any ideas? Agoraphobia? Nope. Not a fear one, right? Here's another one. Uh, this other symptom is doubting and having difficulty tolerating uncertainty. Who said it? OCD. There you go. Absolutely. All right. Would you like a fruit snack? <laughs> All right. Okay, very good. OCD. Here's another one. 10 million adults uh, suffer from this condition. In fact, women are four times more likely to have this than men. 10 million adults in the United States do that. Uh, here's the thing, okay, is it usually affects people that live in the northern United States or in the Midwest, and it only is really diagnosed and a part of someone's condition in life for about 40% of the year. Seasonal depression, also known as SAD, seasonal affective disorder. And guess what? I'm one of those 10 million people. Yeah. In fact, uh, a couple of months ago, I had a call to start a church up in Windsor, and uh, I, uh, sorry, I have to say this. I'm actually from California. Please don't hate me, all right? Um, but when I had the call, one of the first things that I did is I looked to see how many days of sunshine there are in Colorado during the winter, and guess what I found out? There are more days of sunshine in Denver than there are in San Diego. So I was like, all right, I guess I can live there. Let's move. All right. Sad. That's a good one. Now, here's another one. 37 million Americans have this condition, which is 11.3% of our population. In fact, there's 37 million people that have that, but there's also 8.5 million people who, who have it, but yet aren't diagnosed with it because the onset of some of the symptoms are so mild that they're not really sure as to what it is. $327 billion it costs the United States in productivity each and every year. Any ideas? Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. That's not a condition. Yeah. Um, here's a hint. Oftentimes, people, a lot of people don't die from it, but it also leads to additional illnesses and things that can contribute to death, one of which actually is kidney failure, heart attacks, and also it's been known at times to cause blindness. 
Oh, diabetes. That was like one unison. Everyone got that. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. All right, last one. Here we go. This condition affects 70 million Americans of all different age groups. In fact, 64% of teenagers who are plagued by this condition blame it for poor grades in school. In fact, the, 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 the most severe cases of this take place from the age of 30 and 55. Depression? No. Actually, depression is a little bit higher. Here's another thing. Actually, uh, 50% of the 65 population plus say that they struggle with this nonstop. You know what it is? Sleep. And what I mean to sleep is this insomnia, that, that millions of Americans all across the country are struggling to find rest. They struggle to sleep. I'll be honest with you, uh, I, I, when I heard this uh, for the longest time of my life, I, I, was, I didn't believe it, right? For me, it, it was not an issue of going to sleep. For me, my issue has always been staying awake, Right? But all of that changed probably about five or six years ago. You see, one night I went to bed about nine o'clock. I, I laid into my bed. I, I put my head on my pillow. I, I put the covers over me. I closed my eyes. Nothing. You know, I was kind of hoping maybe that my mind would slowly and subtly just ease into a nice, amazing 10-hour night of sleep. But instead, my mind actually kicked into high gear. I started thinking about everything that was going on in my life from the responsibilities I had at at my job to what was going on with my family to what was going on with my extended family to, to everything that could possibly, you could cram into your mind for a short period of time. It was just going 100 miles an hour. Before you know it, it was after midnight. And I began to get a little frustrated, but I remember hearing this, and I don't know if I saw it in a movie or if my mom always told me this, but one of the things, I guess, apparently that can help you fall asleep is a glass of warm milk. So I got out of bed, I went to the kitchen, I got some milk, I I put it into a nice little cup, I put it in the microwave, don't do that. I put it a little too long, and so I had to put some ice in it so it could get down to a warm level, but then I took a sip of it, and it is probably, I'm sorry, one of the worst things I've ever tasted. So then I just got a glass of water, I drank that up, I went back to bed, hoping that that would help, but guess what? It didn't. Again, I started thinking about all the things that were going on in my life, and then I finally decided, i got to stop thinking about that, so I started thinking about all the people in my life. I thought about my my parents, I thought about my wife, my family, my kids, I I thought about my extended relatives, I, I began to think about what they were doing at this hour, and I realized they all were probably sleeping. And that just made me more upset. And the insomnia continued. Finally, about four o'clock in the morning, having been ushered into the club of 70 million Americans, I fell asleep. And I'll tell you what, since that time, there are two certainties that I have. Number one, I never will doubt this idea of insomnia, of the fact that people struggle to sleep. And the other thing 
is I see why God in his wisdom led David to write verse 2 of Psalm 23, which says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. Let's face it, you know, for us as Americans, we struggle to get rest. More than I think more than any other society and culture in the world, we do whatever it takes to fight rest. Do you know where Starbucks started? America. Do you know collectively how much coffee we consume as compared to all the other countries in the world? At least four times the amount. Yesterday, I happened to stop to get gas. I went inside the 7-Eleven, and I went to get a, a bottle of water, and I had to walk not one, not two, but three complete six-foot to eight-foot tall refrigerator containers full of, guess what? Coffee and energy drinks. I finally grabbed the water after it took me a while to find it. I went up to the cash register, and there, right next to the cash register, was this display with these little things called five-hour energy shots, Right? which promise not to give you that crash, but guess what? They, they do, don't they? We seek and strive to, to find rest in our lives, but yet at the same time as Americans and in our culture and society, we do everything that we can to not get rest. And it's extremely difficult. And, and just by looking out today, I can see there are plenty of us, right, who maybe have a little bit of their bags under our eyes because of the fact that you, like me, and so many other Americans struggle to find rest. But the reality is, even though we sometimes fight it, all of us have a deep longing and desire for rest, don't we? Uh, we long to have rest because the fact is we know that we cannot operate if we don't have rest, that we're not ourselves if we don't get a good solid night's rest. And so when David says he makes me down lie in green pastures, he leads me to quiet waters, we look at our lives at times and we see this, right? That we don't have a life of green pastures, right? That it's, it's a, a field of dead grass consumed with worry, anxiety, and frustrations. And then rather than a quiet waters, often we have a rushing wave of more anxiety, of depression, of more nervousness that goes on. In our lives. And because of that, here's the thing is, right, that our, our bodies are tired, our, our, our minds are tired, our hearts are tired, but most importantly is this. Sorry, you guys can't see that, right? Our bodies, our minds, but most importantly, our souls are tired. You see, physically, we need rest. Emotionally, we, we need rest, right? Uh, intellectually, there are times that we long for rest, but more often than not, all of those come down to this important truth, that our souls, our spiritual well-being, oftentimes is lacking the rest, the relaxation that we need. And what I mean by that is this, that you and I are constantly, day in and day out, struggling, aren't we? Yes, we're struggling with anxiety, we're struggling with, with all the frustrations of life, but also there's another spiritual level of that where you and I as Christians, we, we understand and see that every single day we have this battle with sin. Right? The battle to do what, what God has called us 
to do. The battle to live our life from him. The battle to be a sheep in the, in the flock of God instead of a wolf in the devil's den. And many of us at times, right, because if we lose those battles to sin, we're struggling with yet another thing that keeps us awake at night. And that's the plaguing condition of a guilty conscience. Those times where we can't sleep because we can continue to, to replay the events and the things that we did in our lives to hurt our family and friends. And, and more importantly, the things that we did that were completely done in the face of God that were wrong. And so we have sleepless nights full of a guilty conscience. Our souls are tired. Our minds are tired. Our bodies are tired. You know, outside of you and, you and me as human beings in God's creation, there, there is one other creature that struggles with sleep and rest as much as we do. It's not dogs, right? Dogs, they, they doze. Uh, it's not... Uh, bears, they, they hibernate, right? And, and it's not cats because those creatures, right? The cats, they invented the cat nap. There's one other creature on the face of God's, uh, or, uh, God's creation in our world that, that has an enormous amount of time struggling and getting rest. Right? These creatures uh, are, are woolly, slow, and incredibly stupid. You know they are? Sheep. Sheep are absolutely one creature in God's creation outside of you and me that struggle to the nth degree to find rest. And here's why. is because they have no ability to defend themselves from predators, so they are constantly always on the lookout, but yet at the same time eating grass. And so without even knowing, unsuspectingly, a wolf will come or any sort of predator will come and take the sheep away, kill them. The other thing that, that sheep are is they're, they're super finicky about insects, right? So you and I, when we're relaxing out on our back patio in the summer, we may have some, uh, some candles we light to, to keep the bugs away or put some, some off on, something to, to keep them away. Sheep have no such thing. And because of that, when there are insects present in their lives in the day-to-day way, they have no ability to sleep. The other thing about sheep is, is for them to sleep, they need a belly full of food. And one thing that sheep can't do, because they're kind of stupid, is they cannot find food for themselves. They're hopeless. Hopeless, just like you and I. Hopeless creatures who can't find rest. But yet, here's the thing is, sheep end up do sleeping at some point. And it has nothing to do with anything in of themselves to do that, but it's outside of themselves that finds rest, and that is through the work of a shepherd. And what's amazing about the words of Psalm 23, specifically verse 2, is that David, the warrior, the king, becomes David the poet and David the artist. His pen becomes a paintbrush. And the parchment on which he writes becomes his canvas. And with his words, David paints this most amazing picture about what the good shepherd does for his sheep. 
Now, this might be a little awkward for you guys, but I need everyone to participate in this, okay? Because here's what I want you to do. Take a deep breath, and I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to envision this picture that I'm giving to you, all right? And I'm, I'm watching, so everyone better close their eyes. I want you to envision a flock of sheep. They are out in a field of lush, green grass. They're not standing, but rather they are lying down with their pink underbellies sunk deep into long shoots of green grass. And as you look at that sheep, just to the right of them and above them stands their shepherd. And to the left of them is a quiet, glassy-like pond that you can look in and see nothing but your reflection. And as you gaze at that shepherd, you see that he is every so often looking down at his flock, but at the same time looking at the hills around him, looking for intently on any would-be predators. Now look again back at those sheep. They're lying down with their pink underbellies in that lush green grass. And as you look closely, you see one thing, that every single sheep is fast asleep. All right, open your eyes. I have another thing for you to do. I want you for a moment to look up at this screen. What do you guys see there? White screen, very good. All right. That's a white screen, but now I want you to look at this again. What do you see now? A black circle, a black dot. Now, why do I show you that? Because isn't this kind of a little bit of our problem, why we find ourselves struggling to find rest? You see, that black dot has eclipsed the idea that there is a whole bunch of white surrounding it. What do you focus on when you see that screen, but nothing else? That big, dark, black dot. This is what we do with our lives, right? To say it another way is this, that, that you and I oftentimes tend to focus on our dark problems in life, which lead to a lack of spiritual rest, and instead then we even forget the one who can help us. Has that ever happened in your life? You get a phone call from your employer that says, hey, this next quarter is going to be a little rough and and we're going to have to have you work a little bit more time. Or maybe they say this, I'm sorry, this next coming quarter is going to be horrible for business and we're going to have to lay you off. And so what do you focus on? What do you look at? What do you think about? How am I going to do all of this? We have a a relationship perhaps that's with our spouse that we think is going well, but then there's a, a source of conflict and argument and we cannot help but focus and concentrate all of our energy and effort in thinking as to why this is happening and why they're acting that way and what did I ever do to deserve this? You see, much like Peter, if you know that story from the scriptures where he walks out on water with Jesus, eventually Peter begins to sink. Why? Because he's focusing on the wave and not the one who walks on water. We do the same thing. We focus on that wave of anxiety and frustration in our life rather than the one who says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, I will give you rest, Jesus says. 
That oftentimes we look at, at the dark days of Good Friday and miss the hope and the brightness that comes with that resurrection Sunday. See, when we focus on our problems, when we focus on the fact that we can't sleep, of the spiritual unrest that going, that's going on in our lives, we, we fail to see the one who can actually help us. It kind of reminds me of something that happened to me about eh, maybe 10, 15 years ago. I, uh, I got a phone call from one of my good friends in college, and he was actually in town. And uh, he said, hey, let's get together for some lunch. And so I said, yep, yeah, let's do it. Uh, and we decided of all places to eat at Applebee's. Does anyone still eat at Applebee's? Unless you're fancy, right? We go to Applebee's, but the Applebee's that we had chosen was right next to a very busy freeway, and it just so happened right in the lot next door to the Applebee's, a whole new like apartment complex was going on, right? So uh, I pull up, and you know it's the busyness of what's going on, and, and the freeway, the noise of the freeway, the construction happening, and, and I pull in, and just as I pull in, in the stall next to me, my friend also drives in. And so I, I, I kind of get out of my truck real fast and I'm like, hey, Mark, good to see you. And, and we embrace each other, hug, we start talking. And then before you know it, we head into Applebee's and have lunch. After lunch, the bill came. I, I reached for my wallet and, and I paid my share and uh, we began to walk out. We walk outside and the first thing I do is I, I put my hands in my pocket looking for, for these, the keys. But I, I didn't find them in my pocket. And so I said, well, I must have misplaced them. Maybe they fell out in the booth we were sitting at. So I go back in there, and sure enough, they're not there. Begin to wonder and kind of panic a little bit, like, I need to get out of my keys. You know, there's a lot of important things on there. So then uh, I think, well, maybe I just left them in the truck. And so I go to the truck, and what do I hear? But my engine is still running. <laughs> and then I opened the door, and I heard the last thing that anyone wants to hear, which is the sound of my engine petering down the last vapors of gas. I don't know if that's happened to you. That was the only time it's ever happened. But why do I share that story? Because I think that is an adequate illustration of oftentimes what happens to you and me in life. Right? We, get, we get so overcome with the noise and the busyness of life, and all the time we're running and running and running and running, and at the very moment when we realize, oh my goodness, I need to slow down and get some rest, is the exact same time that our bodies give out, that our minds give out, that our hearts get out, and that our souls give out. Why? Because we're so enamored and overcome with the noise and the busyness of our lives and the world in which we live. Since you guys did so great with that dot exercise, I want to give you another one. Here's, here's another question for you. If you think about the Ten Commandments, right, that are written on the tablets of stone, out of all ten, do you know which one occupies the most space? Some of you are thinking, like, I don't even know what any of the commandments are. I hope that's not the case, right? It's not the ninth or tenth, it's, it's not the fifth, it's, it's not the first, it actually is the third. People are going, oh, what's the third commandment? It's remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Let me give you this. This is what God has to say about the, the, the third commandment. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. You know what's so amazing about this is God knows you and I so well because 
you can see the store owner who reads the third commandment and says, well, you know what? Fine. If I need to rest on, on Sunday morning, that's okay. But someone still has to run the shop and the business, so I'll send my son to do it. And God says, oh, no, 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 not your son. Well, then I'll send my daughter. No, 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 not your daughter. Well, maybe I'll send an employer and an employee. And God says, nope, not even then. Well, maybe I'll send my dog and maybe I'll just find a complete stranger. But God says, absolutely not. God understands and knows how much we need rest. And not just physical rest, right? But, but spiritual rest. That's what the third commandment is all about, right? That you and I would set apart a specific time and day throughout our busy week where you and I can come and nourish our souls with the food of God's word. You know what's amazing, though, is, is there's even more to that third commandment, right? Uh, God says that no one should work, and so the business, the store is saying, oh, well, okay, fine, but, but, but someone's got to do it, right? God, what about the way I need to pay bills? What about keeping up my grades? What about all these things? And God says this. He continues. He goes, for in six days the Lord God made the heavens and the earth to see in all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What God is saying is this. If the world did not crash and burn after God created it, guess what? The world and your life will not crash and burn when you get rest. Not just physical rest. Not just emotional rest. But spiritual rest. Did you know, maybe you, some of you know this, but uh, in ancient Palestine, uh, in Bethlehem and Judea, the places where David used to keep his flocks, uh, it was not a green and lush area at all. In fact, it was very parched, it was very dry. If any of you have ever been to the southern, west, southwest part of, of Arizona or even southern California, you can understand and know what I'm talking about, right? That's very much what Bethlehem and Judea was, where David kept his flocks. And so that meant that if there was ever some green pastures, if there ever was quiet waters, the reality is that that had to be the work of some shepherd. You see, more than just watching the flock and keeping them safe, one of the big things that shepherds would always do is they would build a sanctuary. They would build green pastures and quiet waters for their sheep. They'd have to tear out stumps. They'd have to take away thorny brush. They'd have to dam up rushing waters, all of which so that their sheep could find green pastures, could find quiet waters. Why do I say that? But because of this point. You see, if you and I are ever to find rest in our lives, Spiritual rest from everything that plagues us. It's not something that you and I can do on our own. You see, the rest that you and I need is something that is supplied only by our good shepherd. Jesus, right, with his two pierced hands, created green pastures and quiet waters for you and me. Through a sacrifice on Calvary's cross, he tore out the thorny underbrush of sin. He removed those boulders of guilt and dammed up the rushing waters of anxiety. And he tore out the stumps of death. In their place, he planted and cultivated seeds of faith. 
And he built quiet waters of his undeserved love, this thing that we call grace. And he invites you and me as his sheep to find rest there. So dear Christians, if you sit here today overwhelmed by the anxiety of life, if you sit here today overwhelmed with the consequences of sin in your life and and all that of others, if you find yourself sitting here today overwhelmed because you are finding yourself sleepless because of the guilt and the effects of sin, I encourage you, see your good shepherd. See what he's done for you. See the green pastures that he's made for you. Find rest there. Fall asleep in the long, lush, green shoots of his mercy and grace and deep drinkly, or drink deeply from the waters of his word and there you will find rest. Rest for your weary souls. May God give you the strength and the understanding to see who your good shepherd is and to see that he is the only one that can ever provide rest for you and for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you have given us this opportunity to come together to worship you. But more importantly, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity because in it we have seen that in the midst of the busyness of our lives, you have given to us our good shepherd, our Savior Jesus, who through his sacrifice and through his work on the cross and his resurrection has provided for us a place to rest with him. Lord, help us each and every day of our lives to focus on the amazing blessing of spiritual rest that you give to us through Jesus, the good shepherd.